Hi, this is Pastor Joshua Morocco, and you are listening to our King's Central Podcast. I hope you get encouraged. I hope the Word of God brings transformation to your life and empowers you. Thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy the Word. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. And we're going to read two verses, verse 2 and verse 3. Philippians chapter 4, verse 2 and four, verse 3. I plead with you, Euodia, and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. To do what? Agree. Everybody say what? Agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help. Help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word. In just these two verses, you're going to open a whole world that we did not see. But Lord, I'm asking that you'll open it up and give us wisdom to understand the ways you work. I pray, O Holy Spirit, that you would heal people tonight profoundly in relationships. And Lord, I'm asking that tonight you would anoint me with great power. Anoint me to speak your word with power. That, Lord, the word would transform situations, transform hearts, minds. And Lord, when we leave tonight, we'll know that you have spoken to us. And we are changed So Holy Ghost, come on all of us. Open our ears to hear, our minds to receive, our hearts. Touch our emotions. Touch every part of us, Lord, tonight. And we'll be sure to give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Disagreements are a part of life. But what if a disagreement is affecting your life or affecting your family or affecting the church? How do two people who disagree so greatly find a place of agreement? You know, that's the dilemma that we face not only in our personal relationships, but we face it in our world, in marriage, in business, and even in the church. And the answer to how you deal with disagreements lies right in this text. As you know, we've been doing a series entitled Living Life to the Fullest. It's a study of the book of Philippians, and I'm so thankful you came tonight to be a part of it. So oftentimes people only come once a week to a service, if that. But there are folk in this church that want to grow in the Word, and so they're here Sunday morning, Sunday night. You'll be here Wednesday night. You're in a life group. You say, Pastor, why do you do that? Because my deepest desire is for you to be mature in God. I've ministered for over 50 years. I'm sick and tired of immature believers. I'm sick and tired of people that go around the mountain for 40 years, never get into Canaan's land. And so what I do here is I have the word preached as often as we can 
Because I know it's the word that's going to help you to grow. So I'm thankful you're here for the book of Philippians. Let me kind of give you a review of what we've talked about so far. We opened up by talking about using your heavenly passport or bring your heavenly passport. It was the first message that I preached from Philippians to this congregation, and it was from chapter 4. And then I began at the beginning with partnership and then living for a purpose. And then the heart of God revealed at Christmas. And then be a disciple, make a disciple. And then I preached about how have true vision. I preached that in our watch night service on <clears throat> Thursday night. And I thought we ought to continue. So I want to preach tonight on the subject entitled be a yoke fellow. Turn to your neighbor and say, be a yoke fellow. Paul has a deep concern for the church in Philippi. You would have picked it up already from the very beginning of this letter. As you remember, I've shared with you how you interpret epistles or how you interpret letters in the New Testament. You realize you're listening to one end of a conversation over the phone. So you have to begin to think, why is why is this person saying what he's saying? When you read Paul, when you read Peter, James, all of these different writers who have written letters, they're saying something to address a problem that they know about. You may not know what it is. But when you come to the book of Philippians, you know from the very beginning when he talks about koinonia and all the way through up until we get to this point, he is dealing with a problem. We see what the problem is. Before he gets to the problem, he calls for the church to be of the same mind. He says things like this in chapter 1, stand firm in one spirit. In chapter 2, be like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. And then he talks about, in chapter 4, this is how to stand firm in the Lord. All of it leads up to the moment we read what we just read. The call, this call to like-mindedness is because there's a real problem. Two leaders in the church, influential people in the church are at odds with one another. In fact, it's such a difficult problem that Paul understands. Listen, if this isn't fixed, it could destroy the church. You have no idea how many churches have been destroyed by leaders who are at odds with one another. It is a tragic way the enemy works to destroy unity in a church, and Paul understood that. So it's interesting what he says. He says, I plead with Euodia and Syntyche to agree. Now you go, wait a minute, hold it. He actually mentions their names. Yes, he does. They're leaders. You're a leader. You understand you have a responsibility to act right. He names them. He knows them. He's worked with them. He loves them. He doesn't mention what the disagreement is. He doesn't take sides. 
He realizes they were fellow workers. These are people that helped the apostle Paul in his ministry. These are people close to him. In fact, he goes on to mention women who have contended at my side in the gospel along with Clement. These are heavy-duty spiritual people. Yet they're in disagreement. There there were heaven-bound. They were heaven-bound. They had their names in the book of life. The problem is there is no division in heaven, so they better get their act together. Satan is always the author of division. That's why he was kicked out of heaven. Somebody say hallelujah. What's ironic is both of them are on their way to heaven, and they're supposed to reflect heaven on earth, but they're not doing it. So here's what Paul does. Are you still with me here tonight? Paul calls on someone. He calls on a loyal yoke fellow to help these women. Now this word yoke fellow could be a proper name. In the Greek it would be synzygos. It could be a proper name. I really think it's translated correctly as yoke fellow. He was a person who was loyal and genuine, probably one who Paul worked with extremely closely. In fact, some have even suggested that this yoke fellow could have been none other than Luke, the doctor. And the reason they say that is because It may have been that Paul had sent Luke with this letter from prison and told Luke, fellow, yoke fellow, fix this. You see, Luke, if you want to know where Luke is at any time in the book of Acts, all you've got to look for, this is a little secret when you're trying to interpret scripture, look for the we passages. Because every time Luke's with Paul, he always says, we, we, we. When he's not with Paul, he doesn't use that little word, we. The last time you find Luke, the we passages stop in Philippi in chapter 16. And then it doesn't resume till about four to six years later when Paul is back in Philippi in chapter 20. Now, the point of the matter is, Luke was there for about four to six years, depending on how you determine the traveling of Paul. And Luke was with him on his journey to Rome. So, and Paul is writing this letter from Rome. So it could very well be that Paul, because of the concern that he had for the Philippi church, Philippian church, literally sent Luke to fix the problem, and he says, loyal yoke fellow. It's always one of those things to imagine. We don't know who it was, but it is a clear call for a mediator. Sometimes disagreements need a mediator. And what happens is that our pride and arrogance gets in the way, and we don't allow for it. 
We need yoke fellows today. What are they? Well, they're people that mediate conflict and bring people together. How many know those individuals are needed in the body of Christ? People that help to see people become connected. Everybody say connected. Everybody say connected. Connected to the house of God. I'm so thankful we have a connect department in this church. People calling, people praying for specific people. They're my yoke fellows, if you will. It's not by accident we're doing that. It's a biblical mandate. It's grievous when churches have nobody who cares about anybody but themselves. People who relate to people on a personal basis and can speak life into them. That is absolutely crucial. That's why we have life groups. Because when you're in a life group, you're a part of a group where people become transparent with one another and you can speak life into each other. If there's no relationship, it's almost near impossible except from a pulpit to speak life. But oftentimes when I'm preaching something, you're back there sleeping. I see you snoring back there. It makes me want to come down and get my microphone and bop you over the head. But I'd ruin my message. Could very well be that you don't remember a single word I say after I preached it. Don't feel bad, sometimes I don't either. But when you're in a group and a family and somebody pinpoints something, says, hey, but brother, this isn't right. You're not doing this right. Oh, I'm offended. Well, just get over your offense and begin to thank God that somebody's concerned enough about you to speak into your life. People who relate to people on a personal basis and can speak life. Well, how should these yoke fellows function? Well, number one, they must see the importance of agreement. If you don't see the importance of agreement, there'll be a lot of disagreement. Listen to me, please. Agreement is the place of power. That is why the enemy constantly tries to bring disagreement in your life, in your work, in your family. Because if he can break agreement, he breaks the power of two people agreeing before God for God's power to be released. He know, if two of you, Jesus said, agree, if you agree, the actual word there is symphoneo. It's a word that's used with a symphony where even though we're different, we play a different instrument when it's played, it sounds like a beautiful sound. If the enemy can make it discord, he'll do it. And if you don't realize how important agreement is, you've got your head in the sand. You allow things to go for years without ever addressing it, without ever fixing it. I understand that sometimes you cannot 
because somebody else is so into themselves they don't even have a clue what they've done. But you can pray. You can ask God to open a door. You can pray even for a yoke fellow to come alongside and help. The first thing, if you're going to function as a yoke fellow, you must see the importance of agreement. Think about it. If God could cause disagreement in a church, he could cause someone to leave the church and end up going to hell. That's how important that is. I've been your pastor over 40 years. I know how many people have been offended. And sometimes it's from really, really dumb things. Really dumb things. I, I've been listening to a commercial Brother Carl made on our radio station. I don't know if you've heard that commercial. I thought he did a great job. Oh, I'm offended. I couldn't be, sing the solo in the, the choir. I'm offended because you didn't take my idea. I thought Carl hit it on the head. I've heard all of those things. If it's, if the enemy can cause disagreement in a relationship, it may be the difference between whether one gets bitter or better. How many families, think about this, how many families have been torn apart because parents left an inheritance and they somehow felt they didn't get what they deserved? And so they blame everybody else in the family. And they, they're as greedy as everybody else, and yet they supposedly love Jesus. I'm not going to talk to them anymore. Okay. Relationships that could make the difference between heaven and hell. People that desperately need to know you love them. A disagreement has torn that relationship apart. It's evil. It's extremely evil. Secondly, not only must we see the importance of agreement, but secondly, we must be spiritual. Turn to your neighbor and say, be spiritual. Now, when I say that, I'm not talking about some bug-eyed person who goes around half dazed. And we, you know, in India, listen, the weirder you are, the more spiritual you are. You say, what are you talking about? The holy men of India, if you've ever been to the city I was born in, Calcutta, they are, they are extremely strange. Uh, my mom, when she first went to Calcutta, was freaked out. Here comes a guy down the road with a snake wrapped around his neck manure on his head give me a break the weirder you look the more spiritual you are and those clowns have come to maui say so they have just go to paia i haven't seen anybody with manure on their head but i did see one fella who hadn't cut his hair for a long time and he had believe it or not well, I can't tell you. It's so horrible. I can't tell you. He had centipedes in his hair. 
biting him. Like I said, they've come to Maui. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about the stupidity of spirituality. I'm talking about real spiritual people, people like you. You say, well, what, 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 what does it mean to be spiritual? Well, everybody take your Bibles just for a moment. I want to teach you something here. Because you're not going to be able to be a good yoke fellow if you're not strong spiritually. So turn to the book of Galatians just for a moment. If you don't know where Galatians is, it's just before the book of Ephesians. And if you don't know where Ephesians is, it's just before the book of Philippians. So turn there for a moment. I want to show you something. Look at Galatians chapter 6. And I want you to look at verse 1. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are what? Everybody say it with me. You who are spiritual should restore him gently, but watch yourself or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test their own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else, for each one should carry his own load. Now, he's describing a spiritual person. If you are spiritual... You restore people gently, but you also are aware you could get caught in the same temptation if you're not careful. And you'll notice that Paul gives us a fascinating picture of what it means to be spiritual when you read the chapter before this in Galatians chapter 5. Let me give you a few thoughts. First, Know the truth of God's word. He says this in verse 14. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. You need to know the word of God. You need to know what is true. Secondly, have the fruit of the spirit. Look at what he says in chapter 5 of Galatians, verses 22 and 20. Three, are you still with me? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Thirdly, be led by the Spirit. Look at verse 25 of chapter 5 of Galatians. Fascinating to me. He says, look, he says, he says, those he goes on, he says, look, those who belong to Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That is, be led by the Spirit. He says the same thing in chapter 5, verse 16 and verse 18. Fascinating to me how dependent we must be on the Spirit. 
He says, so I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. And he goes on and he says, uh, <clears throat> but if you are led by the Spirit, verse 18, you're not under the law. We need to be led by the Spirit. I find myself so dependent on the Holy Ghost. I'll walk down the corridors of our offices and I'll shout, Holy Spirit, come! My poor secretaries have to go. You, you don't realize how dependent I am on him. He's a real person. I desperately need him. I shared with you how this morning, at 2 o'clock in the morning, he awoke me. I'd worked on a message. I had it all ready to preach. 2 in the morning, I'm awakened by the Lord, and he says, I want you to change your message. And I preached a totally different message on the promises of God, standing on the promises. You've got to be led by the Spirit. And fourthly, if we're going to be spiritual... We must, <clears throat> we must not be self-centered. We must not be self-centered. Look at verse 26 of chapter 5. It's fascinating to me what he says. He says, look, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Now, Paul has just described from the book of Galatians what it means to be spiritual, but he goes on and he defines it even more when we read chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. We must be gentle. We must be alert and humble. And not only that, but in verse 4, he mentions very clearly that we must be self-examiner. We need to examine ourselves. Look at what he says there. It's very fascinating to me. He says, look, he says, uh, each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself with somebody else. This is Galatians chapter 6. He talked about what it meant to be spiritual. You also realize that we must be responsible. We've got to carry our own load. A lot of times people are in disagreement because they're not willing to be responsible for what they've done. They like to blame everybody else. It's very hard for you to be a yoke fellow to help them if you're not responsible yourself. Smile at me, I'm preaching good. I got to every once in a while scream just to wake you up. You must know God will reward him for being a yoke fellow. If you do not know that God will reward you, you don't know the God I know. You take a look at verses 7 through 10 of chapter 6 of Galatians when he talks about being spiritual. Listen to what he says. It's absolutely amazing to me. He says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please the sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. 
Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. If you're going to be a yoke fellow, which you will need to be in this day and age, remember one thing, your labor will not be in vain. God will reward you for your willingness to serve. Well, that brings me then to the fact you can be a yoke fellow. You can be somebody who brings disagreements to an end. You say, well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a minister. You're a person. You're alive. You're breathing. You're a man or a woman of God full of the Holy Ghost. You can be used by God to be a yoke fellow. Don't say, let George do it. Let somebody else do it. Why not you? Smile at me. You say, how do I do this, Pastor? How could I be a yoke fellow? Well, number one, you've got to get committed to a ministry. You get sick and tired of people not being committed to a house. How would you like it if, if, if every, every few months you leave one family, go to the next family, go to another family, go to another family, never, never have a family, then wonder why nobody wants you around. I understand the fact that there are circumstances and difficulties, and I'm very, very sensitive to the voice of God, and I know that God has a person maybe leave this church and go to another ministry for a while, and I know that sometimes people will leave that church and come here, and I know that, and I'm not worried about it. I know that God rearranges the aquarium as he wills. Everybody understand that. But here's what I do ask of you. That if God has called you into this house, get committed. I, I, it doesn't matter to me where you've been. If he's called you here, get into the house. Get committed. Well, I just don't know if I should. You're not going to find a better group of people. I mean, people in this house really love people. Cranston, how long have you been a part of this church? 30 years? Minister Darren, how long have you been a part of this church? 32 years he beats you. It's amazing to me. Frank, how long have you been a part of this church? Huh? 27 years. Minister Darren beat you. Now you think about Pastor Jaira, how long have you been in this church? All my life. <laughs> you get the KK man. Now think about that. Where have you ever found a church where people have been around for 40 years? There are people in this church that were here when I came and they're still here. Many of them are in heaven, but there are some that are still here. This is a family that really loves. Now you said, do you have it all together, Pastor? No, we don't. You'll find quirks and strange things at times. 
I get shocked at times. Sometimes things aren't as together as I want them to be. But you know what? I have a lot of thankfulness to God that he has been so kind to us. And he's blessed us in spite of it. Get into a ministry. Sir, do something. Get into this house. Get into a church. Be committed to a ministry. Learn how to counsel. Get involved. Be a connector, whether it's calling somebody or just simply praying for somebody. Do not allow the enemy to say you are not needed. You are needed in this house. Please hear me. Please, please hear me. Every morning when I go to the early morning prayer meeting, I look out at the people there at the prayer chapel. And I realize if it wasn't for them, this church would not be here. You may not even know their names, but every morning, every morning, some come at 4.30 in the morning. I don't even see them because they're already gone by the time I get there. Some come at 5.30, some come at 6, but they're there. And they're there every morning. Are you aware that on the first day of this new year, I looked out at that prayer group now. I know what time we left. We left after 12 o'clock. There were people that didn't get to bed till 1 in the morning. They got up at 4.30. They had little sleep so they could make it to the prayer meeting. And there were some that got up at 3 to make it to the 4.30 prayer meeting. And I was there myself, and I loved to sleep. But I realized something. I'm going to set a pattern for my life for this new year, and I'm going to be in prayer. Why don't you start during this time of fasting and praying? Why not tomorrow morning you get up early and show up? Fill the whole place with people praying. Do not allow the enemy to say you're not needed. You're needed. You were needed in every area of ministry of this house. We need ushers. We need greeters. We need security. We need teachers. We need people that will open doors for the children and, and do things. We need young people working with youth and young adults and the senior saints and on and on and on. The choir, the music, the media. We need people. There will never be an end of the number of people that we need. But thirdly, you can be a yoke fellow. Get committed to the ministry. Do not allow the enemy to say you're not needed. And thirdly, grow spiritually. So when the need arises, you are ready. I'm aware of the fact there's some people who don't want help. I'm also aware of the fact that there's some people that think they got it all together when they don't. But there are some people in this house who will say to me, Pastor, I'm open to have God use me. Many of you will say tonight, I will get involved with people. Yeah, there will be some. Don't bother me, Pastor. Yeah, some will say, look, 
I just don't want to be messing around. I don't want to have to hassle other people's problems. I understand. I understand. I'm not really enthused about all the problems I have to deal with. But I've learned this lesson from the Lord. That if I will help somebody in their problem, somebody will help me in my problem. Because what you sow is what you'll reap. Jesus said something of great significance. And I believe that's why Paul dealt with it the way he did. You know what Jesus said? He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. We need yoke fellows, folks. Let's be that for others. Stand to your feet. Lift your voice with me. Come on, let's thank the Lord for what he's already done, what he's going to do. I hope the word encouraged you. Thank you so much for joining us here on the King Central Podcast. God bless you. Walk in power and walk in the fullness of that which God has given you.